This podcast is for you, the modern man. I'm Dr. Ann Trung, your host. I'm an intimate health medical doctor and best-selling author of the book, Erectile Dysfunction Fix. I'll do a deep dive into sexual health and performance and how it affects men of all ages and backgrounds. So let's get started and be sure to visit my website at sexualhealthformenpodcast.com for more information and resources from the show. See you on the inside. Well, hello there. Welcome to this episode. Well, do you know, men, that from the age of 40 to 70, 50% of men have erectile dysfunction? And that of those 50% of men, 67% of them do not even know that they have ED, according to standardized questionnaire. And that when you have ED, is actually a reflection of your cardiac health or heart health in the future. And it's actually a check engine like to your general well-being. And that is a warning sign that it could reflect how well you're doing in general health. So if you're not doing well sexually, then you should be concerned because that could be a reflection of how, how well you're doing it and your general health. So men, listen to this episode because I am here today and joined by the creator of the prize push shot or the peace shot, Dr. Charles Runnels. And we're going to talk about everything about the peace shot, why he created it, the origin of it. And he's the one that taught me the peace shot in 2014. And we're going to have fun in this episode. So Dr. Charles Runnels, Teach us about the peace shot today. Thank you for having me, Anne. I know you were doing, way before I met you, you were teaching in, uh, about regenerative therapies and stem cells, and so fun to be able to share notes with you. Well, thank you. So what do you want to know? Well, how did you come up with the peace shot, and uh, how did it all start? Okay. Well, it's, it's sort of a fun story. Uh, the uh, I had been doing work with uh, wound care, sort of the constellation of things came together. I was running a wound care center at a hospital during my ER day, so I knew about healing tissue, but I'd never heard of PRP, wasn't using it. Uh, then after I started a practice and was doing some cosmetic work, I was injecting faces with filler. Uh, because when the women would come to me and lose weight, they would complain their face looked old. You know, they'd lose the fat in their cheeks, and they say, oh, my face looks older. I want to gain my weight back. So I thought, well, I better learn how to do fillers like Juvederm to put the shade back so they want to keep losing weight. I think it was Liz Taylor said before that days of Juvederm and fillers, she said back in the 60s, if you once a woman reaches 40, she has to choose between her body and her face because if she keeps her body lean, then her face gets lean and it looks more wrinkled. And so now we don't have to do that because we can use fillers and regenerative therapies. But So I was doing that, and then a person came to my office and said, hey, have you ever heard of, it was a salesperson selling the FDA-approved kit to prepare plasma. He said, have you ever heard of this stuff? You use it, you can use it in the face like Juvederm or a filler, and it gives new volume and new blood flow, and there's never been a side effect. And instantly, you know, I'm a guy, I'm thinking, new volume, new blood flow, that should go in my penis. 
<laughs> and so, uh, but I said, you know, I better read about it and try it in faces for a while. So I read about it. And I, then I was shocked that I'd never used it before in the wound care because there's so much, as you know, out. And this was 2010, 11 years ago, but for 10 years before that, it was being used for hard to heal wounds, you know, from your orthopedics experience. Mm -hmm. And well, I, it was off my radar. And since then, we're up to 15,000 papers on PubMed about platelet plasma. And a lot of them now is sexual medicine. But at that point, it hadn't been put in the penis. But I've read everything I could about it, and I found some ideas that that showed it might work. I saw one place where it had been talked about being used in rats, and I thought, well, shoot, why hasn't no one ever tried this? And I, but I was trying to get my courage up, and um, I've been injecting faces for a few months, about three months, and oh, men and women come back and say, my face is glowing. You can see the new blood flow in the face. And I thought, okay, well, it looks like it's working, but I'm still not sure I want to put this in my penis. And finally, one day, I, I, got, the, um, I got this odd phone call. I got a call from a man who said, I'm a conservative Jewish man, and I've not had sex with my wife or my fiance, and we're getting married in a month, and I'm embarrassed about the size of my penis. Can you help it grow? I've never gotten a call like that. And I said, well, not really. I said, your hair just grows a fourth of an inch a month. I really can't help you. And he says, well, I, I think you can. And I said, I could be a call from the dark side. I don't know what's going on here. But I said, I have an idea, but it doesn't need to be you. I think, you know, it's. I need to try it on me first. So call me back in a week. So I knew at that point there were only about 7,000 papers on PubMed, five or 7,000. And to this day, I can't find any papers that show necrosis as back then, no granulomas, no necrosis, no neoplasia. There's one weird study where someone got necrosis in the face, but they were injected in a hotel room and the PRP was mixed with some unknown filler, which you know can cause necrosis if you inject so it got a bad rap, but but it wasn't PRP, it was the filler. So anyway, no one's ever had a serious sequelae from PRP. Right. Which, the 35,000 people a year die from GI bleeds from non-steroidals, but you don't see those coming off the bar. We're talking die, 35,000 a year, per year, die from GI bleeds from non-steroidal drugs. And you can't find one person who died from PRP. Um and not even so I thought okay well I don't know maybe something bad's going to happen I'm pretty nervous about this but I'm going to try it anyway and you know how I got my courage up to do it how are we on time how much time we got I got to tell you the story how I got well, we the got time. we got time we got okay. time it's only so 8 minutes <laughs> so here, here's how I got my courage up if you go to Wikipedia I knew this story, but I went and reread it to get psyched out. If you go to Wikipedia, you can see the story of the first person, first man, do the heart cath. And it's really sad, but the amount of courage this man had was astounding. He, he knew that he would get in trouble for doing it. So he tied the nurse to the gurney of the hospital. I sometimes wonder if he had her tied there for a different reason, but for whatever reason, his nurse was tied to the gurney 
Then he ran the catheter up his own groin. This was in the 1940s. Walked up two flights of stairs and took the pictures to prove it could be done. Oh, my goodness. Whereupon he was promptly lost his hospital privileges. You know, back in the 40s, if you got depressed, they'd give you shockwave therapy and lock you up in the institution. And he died in the institution. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, okay, let me reread that story to get psyched out because I know I'm not going to have anything bad, bad happen to me. So I thought, he can be this courageous. So I got my sweetheart at the time to come film it so I could document. And so she could. And I injected it. And a week later, I didn't do as much as I well, do now. Well, did you numb it up first before you injected it? I did some numbing cream. Okay. And, and my worry was that, well, whatever, I had a thousand worries. But I injected it. And as you know, it's instantly usable. And I and I, the reason I initially used a vacuum pump right afterwards was to spread the material through the corpus cavernosi so the mm-hmm. PRP spread evenly. Now I'm not sure that's necessary, but back then I thought it might be, so I did. So take the pump off. Now if it's been injected with PRP and I've had a vacuum device on it, and we just okay, well it's it was looking healthier and more more robust than usual, so we just tried it out instantly. And I remember thinking, you know, it looks like she's having more fun than usual. <laughs> I could tell <laughs> it was, and uh, I want I'll spare you the details, but the point is that it was it was instantly usable and noticeably improved. And I didn't have ED, but it was better. So. Well, that, that's interesting because I've, I've also recommend doing uh, PRP uh, for just better, firmer erection, you know, without for men without ED as well, too. So there's nothing wrong with uh, getting a P-shot when you don't have ED. It, it's, well, it's like going to the gym for to exercising your muscles. I, I compare uh, the penis, the corpus cavernosum or the penis muscles, going to the gym and keeping it healthy. And, you know, adding just extra blood in it to keeping it healthy. I agree. If you, if you do nothing, here's what happens. We both know this. By the time a man reaches 65, if he just lets, quote, aging gracefully. Nobody, by the way, nobody says that about their car. I'm not going to wash it or wax it and just let it age gracefully. I'm not going to paint my house. That's called neglect. Not aging gracefully. You call it neglect if you did nothing to upkeep your house. Um, but somehow there's this idea, you know, that the extreme of that was in the Middle Ages. There were some Catholic priests who thought it was a sin to take a bath because it was paying too much attention to the physical body and not and, and instead of the spiritual body. So it can be taken to an extreme. There's a balance. But, um, but if you do nothing to maintain, just like a man's muscles get smaller with age, a man normally loses half of his endothelium by the time he's 65. So your pen- a man's penis is shrinking. And doing nothing, it starts to shrink. Honestly, think a decade from now, somebody will be watching this. One of my grandchildren may be watching this a decade from now, and I, I'm having sex in heaven somewhere. But... Um, You'll still I be think, here. I hope so. <laughs> You're not I, having somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think that women will be getting an O-shot 
postpartum in the labor and delivery room after every, every delivery. Oh, that would be wonderful. And I think men will start getting a pee shot starting maybe in their early to mid-20s once a year to maintain their endothelium. Uh, why wait until half of it's gone before you do something, right? So mm-hmm. I completely agree. The way I help my men who visit me lighten up, I took care of a very famous, a very powerful man, and, and I said, you know, even Lamborghinis need a tune-up. You don't have to be embarrassed about having something done for your penis, and you don't have to wait until it breaks down and turns into a broken-down Ford before you, you do something with it. But so I... A, month, a week later, it was a week, I noticed that, and, you know, now we do, we have a technique where I've, we've discovered that it, you need more than one injection, usually two per side to completely fill the corpus carinosum. Um, but I, that time, that first time, I just injected the base of the penis, and a week later, it was thicker at the base. So I asked my girlfriend, am I making this up? She says, no, you're not making it up. So I said, okay. So I called the guy up, and he came out. I gave him the injection, and then he goes away. And I gave him as a hedge on my bet, I gave him, or a hedge on his wedding night, I gave him my course on how to teach a woman to have an ejaculatory orgasm or how to lead your lover to an ejaculatory orgasm. So then I waited a month, and thereabouts he's back from his honeymoon i called him and i said okay so how'd it go he said my penis is not any bigger by the way he didn't want to use the pump he was i just i tell guys think of it like yoga for your penis you would not stretch it the other parts of your body it's just penis penis yoga but anyway he says that he didn't use the pump and i think that's like trying to get bigger muscles without lifting weights just take hormones you know and get bigger weight bigger muscles you got to do something physical too I said, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I hope the honeymoon went well anyway. And I'm going, I charged him a little bit. I said, I'm going to put all your money back on your card because that's what I do. People got to love what I do or I don't keep any of their money. He says, no, doctor. He says, I, I don't want your money. I don't want my money back because it's working a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay, we might have something there. So now fast forward, and as you know, Quite a number of studies have come out, but the best one came out, made the cover of the Journal of Sexual Medicine last year. The double blind placebo controlled study demonstrated PRP in the corpus cavernosum increased erectile function. Now, other studies, not that's the only double blind placebo control, but the point is now we're 11 years later and and it's being done all around the world. The study came out of the University of Aristotle in Greece. But we've got a long way to go before I think insurance is paying for it. As you know, insurance isn't covering it yet, but uh, they will. Anyway, that's the long version of right, it. Right, exactly. We're, we're, we're definitely not going to go to the insurance uh, story, why insurance is not covering for platelet rich plasma. That's, uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be a debate there um, at this point. Yeah. So just for listeners, just a quick uh, review. Platelet rich plasma is just your own blood 
uh, you know, that we get out uh, from your veins and the pla- the platelets are coming from your blood and the platelets just help uh, restore blood flow to an injured area. And when you have ED, the, the penis muscles are not uh, getting enough blood flow and therefore it's not functioning well. That's why, you, therefore, you're not getting an erection. So by putting in platelets in uh, the uh, uh, penis, it restore function again by restoring uh, blood flow. Uh, 90% of uh, causes of ED is uh, physical and, and 10% is uh, psychological and, and mainly is, is really due to blood flow dysfunction. So by um, injecting the, the uh, platelets or platelet-rich plasma from your blood, uh, there is lit- literally, like Dr. Ronald says, no side effect because wh- what 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 side effects is there could go wrong is your own blood that is injected back to yourself to restore function. What other best methods are there besides that? Your body that yeah, doesn't create Viagra, your body that, uh, doesn't need Viagra uh, to get an erection. And in fact, I correlate Viagra and Cialis as like taking uh, um, opioid pain medication for pain because once you take it, it becomes a crutch and you get addicted to it and then your body uh, forget how to uh, function naturally now and therefore you just lose the, the way your body naturally create an erection therefore you also loses the, the, the way you will want to uh, have an erection and then uh, and you just be, become dependent upon it and then you realize you can't get an erection without it uh, and then it doesn't work anymore and then you know where, where would you be uh, like Dr. Ronald said um, and uh, one of our, our colleagues uh, uh, um, Shelly Glover that, that every uh, man and every woman should have a pee shot. If you have a vagina and a penis, you should get a pee shot or, uh, or an ocean. And, and uh, we both uh, heartily agree uh, with that. And, and I myself, uh, as well as a lot of our colleagues, and I know you, uh, you know, get an O-shot every year, as well as my uh, husband, so just for, uh, uh, you know, a general wellness uh, uh, as well, too. And so... Um, in general, what, what having create being the creator of the P shot and the O shot, and what what have you observed over the years since you created this? And what what will be kind of like your um, main point that you want our listener to uh, take away from uh, this? Yeah, m- maybe two or three. One is that. It's not a magic shot, as you pointed out. It it is natural, and it's exactly what your body would make if you had a cut. And it's the same thing that your body made when you scraped your knee as a child. It's that goo that formed and made the scab. That scab was not just to stop the bleeding. It was the whole growth factors there from the platelets to grow new skin. So we're making that, putting it back in the tissue, and if that were dangerous, then... So would the scab that's on your leg be dangerous? It's the same thing. But on the other hand, as you know, it can help the tissue become healthier where you put it. But if the cause of erectile dysfunction is, say, a spinal cord injury or um, the circulation through the iliacs are blocked from years of diabetes, then locally treating the penis is not going to make up for that. And so I don't want to overpromise 
I one of I know some of our providers say they're able to help people that are farther along than what I normally attempt to help. But my guide is that if there is any tumescence at all when you take Viagra or during your night, your nocturnal erection, or when you're aroused, then we can probably make things better with the P-Shot. But if you take Viagra or Cialis or you try to have sex and just nothing happens, then there, there's a higher probability that you may have vascular disease up close to the aorta, and so locally treating the penis may not be of help, which is why this is not a do-it-at-home thing. This is where you come in and our other providers where you're thinking like a not just a simple shot. It's the whole procedure of how you think about a person and their overall health and the other factors from hormones to nutrition to their social interactions. So it's, it's and you know this, but if you're asking me the most important thing, I would, obviously you're teaching it and doing it, and, but I want to make sure everyone who's been kind enough to listen to us this far knows that sex is the cherry on top of many other factors and good sex, and if you pull one of those away, make your testosterone go away, or be in a stressful place where you're having trouble with the job, or you're being bombed because you're in Ukraine, you're going to have a, you know, I can give you pee shots all day long, and it's not going to work. Um, which is why you need someone who knows what they're doing to think about the whole process. The other question that comes up is, well, this isn't an FDA-approved procedure. And that's where a misunderstanding of the FDA comes in. The FDA never approves any procedure. They don't approve or even evaluate um, hysterectomies or cholecystectomies or bypass surgery. They evaluate drugs and devices that physicians use. But they don't control, and they do control some things if you use commitments. You know this because you're an expert at it and teach it, but so our viewers know if you do lots of things to tissue, then the FDA has decided that's now become a drug. So you can multiple steps, and now it's no longer your body. If, it, if you minimally manipulate it, so if you take a piece of skin and you put it on a different part of your body to patch where you fell on your motorcycle, that's your skin. That does not belong to the FDA. And your hair and your blood and your urine, it all belongs to you. And even if it's a part of your blood, that's still your platelets, your plasma. and so. But you should have a device, and I know you do this, and but you have a you need a device that is approved by the FDA to prepare that blood to go back into the body, which is a different thing than just preparing it to analyze it, different level of accuracy and different kind of sterility. So those who get this procedure done should use someone who's licensed by our group so that they've agreed to follow these guidelines and they know the whole process. Even that study, I don't know if you read the protocol, that study that came out of Greece, it was horrible how those poor guys were tormented. Yeah, you realize they yeah. took a needle and for nine minutes they yeah. threaded the corpus cavernosum <laughs> per side. And then they yeah. had to wear a tourniquet for 30 minutes. Like sound like a torture chamber out of some Game of Thrones or something. But, yeah. So we don't do that. <laughs> and um, and but the people we've had now eleven years to work on our protocol, and I'd recommend you use someone in our group who knows what they're doing. Um, those guys are brilliant, and I'm grateful for their study. But we've had eleven years to define and and tune up the process so that's painless or almost painless. Oh yeah, and then the it, last yeah. 
Yeah, the well, last we, thing- well, well, there's also a nerve block. You can do a nice pudendal nerve, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. nerve block that is painless. So, yeah, but you don't yeah. thread somebody's corpus cavernosum for nine minutes. No, or, yeah, like, it's like, <laughs> like that, you said, right? that sounds like a medieval <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> torture oh, chamber. <laughs> They're smart guys, but I wish they would have called us up. Anyway, so the last thing, and then I'll quit rambling, but I think it may be the most important is that for guys to realize that. Your sexuality is not just about the pleasure you have in your bedroom. It relates to your confidence at work and and your personality and and even your spiritualities. Hence, you know, every religion has things to say about the way sex is practiced because it can be enervating and destructive, or it can be inspirational and even only half joking. When I say, "Yeah, well, if you have a good orgasm, you should have." visions and prophesying that's only half a joke because it's and every deep religion has thoughts about how to use sexual energy in ways much more profound than having fun in the bedroom although that's important too so i would just encourage people to pay attention obviously you're a teacher who has a great understanding as a physician and teacher and i'd encourage people to follow you closely because you're in the literature and you're making sure that things come out that need to be known. And I would just make a project out of being healthy. I always It kills me when people say, yeah, I would die for my kids. But, okay, you would die for them, but how uncomfortable would you be in this current life? Would you be uncomfortable enough just to throw your cigarettes away or start walking every day? You'll say you'll die for them, but I'm doubting it because I don't see you want to go for a freaking two-mile walk just to keep your heart healthy. Or maybe you just mean you intend to die. I don't know what that means when people say, I will die. I say, well, would you live for them? Would you be uncomfortable for the next 30 minutes by avoiding this thing that your doctor says is making you not healthy? Then I'll know. In other words, being healthy is not just about having fun in the bedroom. It's about being around, and I may drop over dead tomorrow, but it won't be because I didn't at least think and do my best to be around so that when one of these grandkids runs up to me one day and says, hey, what about this? I'll be around to pick them up and give them a hug or something. That's all I got. And I appreciate oh, you having that, me on your show. That, that is, uh, that is uh, beautiful. And congratulations on, on another grandchild coming up in uh, uh, July. And I know that for you, family is uh, the most important thing in your life of, and, uh, um, of all. And so tell me about that statue behind you there. It's been distracting me and I've been looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Someone gave me that statue, and I think she knew my heart because, uh, I mean, I I don't have a Greek god of love that I pray to, uh, but I recognize there's spirit of there's a spirit of love and relationships, and I when I come to the office, I put a little I light a little candle right there to remind myself that that's what we're after. What's demonstrated in that embrace not just physical pleasure but the embrace of two lovers making a life together and being bonded physically and spiritually and and then before that candle goes out which i think it lasts about six hours i try to make something that's going to make that statue more likely in somebody's life that's why i do that 
Well, that's a beautiful story, Charles, because uh, that's what we're all here about, right? It's about yeah. love and connection, right? Yes. And living longer to enjoy living with our loved ones and being fulfilled because at the end of the day, that is really what that is all about. And that's what Dr. Runnels and I love doing and seeing the that the moment that we see our patient comes in mm-hmm. with their loved ones. Uh, I tell you a story about one of my patients, you know, Ed, who hasn't had uh, intimacy with his wife in 17 years. They have oh, not wow. been able to have uh, uh, intercourse. And uh, we gave him three shockwave, uh, I mean, th- three P-shot and 12 shockwave and uh, hormone replacement therapy. And for the first time in 17 years, Ooh. they've been able to have mm. uh, intercourse again. And then they come back to my office holding hand and giggly and smiling. And and they act like they're like uh, in their 20s and on their honeymoon again and thanking me profusely for reconnecting them again and discovering who they are uh, in their 70s, you know, Uh, and and realizing that they're discovering what it's like again to be, be able to enjoy each other not only emotionally but also physically again and uh, discovering how it can really bring them closer than they ever thought would be possible because they have uh, really acclimated to living apart you know physically but now that they're together it's, it's a whole new world for them they didn't know exist and uh, at that time I knew I was doing the right thing and in, in the same place and I'm very uh, grateful for you to introduce me to that world of sexual wellness. And since I was in the world of orthopedic medicine and doing themselves and doing uh, PRP, but now I'm in both worlds and I'm mm-hmm. actually teaching my colleague in the orthopedic world and in, you know, stepping into the world of sexual medicine as well to now as well. So I appreciate you for being here uh, mm-hmm. with me I'm today. Again, sharing your wisdom and what would you like to say before we leave and for our listeners and what would you say to a man that discovered he had ED? Oh, just, you know, count it as a blessing that you, as you said, had this warning because the warning could have been the heart attack and the bypass. So you have the ED. I would say find someone like yourself. I mean, you're so brilliant that understands medicine and say, hey, let's think about the big picture and put this thing back together. And this is a beautiful place. I know, you know it's a beautiful planet, and it's just one life. And, and you don't have to stay home and try to find stuff on the Internet. Get to the right person and get well. Don't, don't, don't go to Dr. Google. Go to the doctor <laughs> that knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you, Dr. Annie. Ronald. Thank See you. you it's an to be with you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Sexual Health for Men podcast. If you love this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you post. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode and what you like to hear in the future. That will help me know what's great for you. And I would love to give you the most incredible free gift designed to help you improve performance quickly. 
go to my website at sexualhealthformenpodcast.com to get the book, The Five Common Costly Mistakes Men Make When Facing ED. I would appreciate it if you subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and just know that you can have sexual vitality for life. I appreciate you. Until next time.